Well, we welcome all of our visitors, especially our sisters with us, and missionaries of charity and sisters of life, uh, to beautiful communities uh, that, you know, it's interesting because we always look at Mother Teresa as being the epitome of gentleness and quietness, and this is true. But what do we have today as a saint that was quite the opposite? James and John were known as the sons of thunder, and they had quite the tempers. In fact, St. Jerome writes about them, and he too says, I have quite the, where I should say he was known to have quite a temper. But I had an incident a few weeks ago with an employee. There was an issue at our office in the Association of Marian Helpers, and the employee got a little upset, and then he apologized to me for losing his temper with another employee. And I asked what the situation was about, and it really wasn't so much he lost his temper, it was he was passionate, passionate for what we do, being able to do it right. And I said, I'm guilty of the same thing. Well, sometimes we don't think what we say or do, we just do it because that passion in us. And St. James is a perfect saint, so I think myself and probably many of you can turn to him in that example. Um, you know, we, we know, well, I should ask, who was the first apostle? Now, if you read the Gospels of John and Matthew, it was Andrew. But in the Gospel of Luke, the first apostles were James and John. We celebrate James today. They're big enough that John has his own feast. So he called them, Jesus did, while they were fishing. So again, another great saint. It's the only time I get to do it. I haven't been fishing in over a year, and I'm like, I want to go fishing. And so one of the worst things for, for us, um, really, when you think about it, what could be the, one of the worst things that happened to you if you were to think about it? Health or, you know, torn apart relations, and those are all bad. But you know one of the worst things that can happen to you is if all your prayers were answered the way you wanted that would not be good. What would have happened if Jesus would have answered this mother's prayers exactly how she asked? Put one at your right and one at your left. Who was at Jesus' right and Jesus' left as they were being crucified? So if the mother would have got her prayer answered, I want you, he says, what do you wish? He says, I want you to put my sons, one at your right and one at your left. Well, gee, that wouldn't have been probably not what the mother wanted because to be at Jesus' right and to be at Jesus' left was the crucifixion. So the two thieves were on the crosses on either side. So they didn't really know the mother, what she was asking. And either do we. You know, Jesus says the same to us when we pray. Do you know what you're asking for? Lord, I need this, I need that. That's how my prayers for 30 years used to be. And then when I came to religious life, you know what my favorite prayer is now? Thanksgiving. Gratitude. I just, sometimes I, you know, I'm, I'm late on my rosary, I'm late on my divine office, I'm, and I end up spending my whole prayer time just saying thank you to God. I love that prayer. Just, just sitting with the Lord and thanking Him. And so we need to always pray, yes, but your will be done, Lord, not my will. 
not my will, your will. And basically they're saying when Jesus asked, do you know what you're getting into? And they're like, yes, we can, we can do this. Can you do this? Yes, we can. And that's good. I mean, we wanna have a positive attitude, but this is like the couple at a wedding. I've done a few marriages, not as many as a diocesan priest, but I always love to see the, the joy in the faces. And I do the old rite, the old vows. And I always have the spouses use those vows. And when we get to the for better or for worse, and they're smiling, and they're like, yes. And I keep thinking, you don't know what's coming because it's never easy. It's never easy, but we, with the grace of God, we weather through. Um, you know, I had no idea what I was getting into when I asked to come to seminary. I just felt the Lord's calling. I felt the Lord's calling. I had no clue what I was getting into, none. And, but Jesus was patient with me, just like he was with James and John. You know, they didn't know all that would entail when they started following him. I certainly didn't know all it would entail when I started following him. So here we see the mother of James and John. Obviously, you can't blame her. She wanted what was best for her kids. All good mothers do this. They like to get involved. It's part of their nature, right? So she thought what she was asking for was for their own good. Now, what's funny is we read the version from Matthew. And in Matthew's version, it's the mother of James and John asking probably to protect the reputation of James and John, not making it look like they wanted something, but let's bling the mother. And so in Matthew, it's the mom who asked, but in Mark, the gospel of Mark, we see the human side of the apostles and we see them asking Jesus themselves. Do you ever catch that little difference? And so <clears throat> James and John showed ambition in Matthew through his mother, but in Mark, they themselves. And in spite of all that Jesus said to them about humility, they were looking for ambition. And Jesus said, he will suffer and die. And then these two, you know, it's kind of funny because have you ever had this happen? You know, you're telling somebody you're pouring your heart out. And I had this happen with one of our priests here. He's not completely with our community right now, kind of off on a sabbatical, but I remember pouring my heart out and something was really on my heart. I just pouring it out and pouring it out. And he's like, did you get that report done for me last night? I still need that. And I'm like, <laughs> but then I see myself doing it as well. So we, we have this tendency sometimes to be self-focused and not on our neighbor. Um, but as misguided as this whole situation was, they still believed and followed Jesus. Jesus can work with that. That's enough. You give, you give God a little tiny sliver, and he'll work with that. He'll work, he'll work with it. You know, James is the first and only apostle whose martyrdom is in the New Testament. That's why I'm in red today. I'm in red. Uh, he was beheaded, tradition tells us, in 44 AD. This was his cup. Jesus says, can you drink this cup? They both said, we can. Well, James drank it. What was his cup? Martyrdom, beheaded, around 44 AD. So only about 11 years after Christ. So he was executed 
by Herod himself, not by an executioner, by Herod himself, they say, in Jerusalem for what many believe was his temper. So sometimes our big mouths can get us in trouble. And so <clears throat> legend has it that the angels took his remains on an unattended boat back to Spain. Now why? Because before he died, he labored in Spain for many years. And that's why his remains are at St. James de Compostela. You maybe heard that traditional walk called the way, it's a pilgrimage, and it ends there. Now John was different. His cup, he did get a cup, but his cup was a giant basin of boiling oil. And they put John into it, tradition says, but he survived. He didn't die. And he lived to almost 100 or even maybe about 100. And Jesus kind of made that clear when he said, when they said, well, Peter says, well, what about him, Lord? Peter was all mad that all the others were going to suffer, but John didn't appear to be going to have martyrdom. And Jesus says, what's it to you what happens to John? And so John survived. And for him, if he didn't get martyred, what was his cup? I love it because these two apostles show the two different cups we can get. James got the cup of martyrdom, but what was the cup of John? The cup of John was the constant discipline and struggle of an entire Christian life, year after year, day after day, in your daily grind. There's got to be more to life than this, Father Chris. No, that is your cup. It is quite wrong to think for Christians that the cup only means martyrdom. That's red martyrdom, but you could have white martyrdom. Being persecuted by your coworkers, being fired from your job because you're standing up for life in, in, with the vaccine issue or, or you're standing up that you refuse to attend a parade that celebrates one of the seven deadly sins, and you refuse to participate, you're fired, you're carrying the cup, you're drinking the cup. And so God bless you. The cup may be the long routine of your Christian life with the daily sacrifice and struggles. You know, the saints always tell us, it's not that we accomplish great things, but that we are faithful in small things. So to finish, why did Jesus at the end here say that the final decision was not his to sit at his right or his left, but it belongs to the Father? Well, you know, here's the thing. Jesus, while he lived a human life, he did not claim his rights as God. He was obedient, whatever the Father asked. So obedience is critical. Obedience to the church is obedience to God. You know, today's the anniversary of Humanae Vitae. It was released July 25th. You have a landmark statement by the church on contraception, and yet 98% or something like that, 95, 98% of Catholics use contraception. And then I get these letters that condemn the church's teaching on contraception, and I simply answer, very nicely, one way, have you read Humanae Vitae? You know, I appreciate the honesty. Not one person has responded to me and ever said, yes, I have. Because I really don't think I've heard from those who have read Humanae Vitae that was released on this date, 
and said, I still use contraception and I'm adamantly against church teaching. They live in the Stone Age. They have no idea. They're not up with the times. Never had anybody say that that's actually read Humana Vitae. Hmm. Obedience to the church is obedience to God. It's about service. Why is there such hatred for a church that's trying to do service? You know, in Jesus' kingdom, the great person is the person who's a servant. You know the Pope's official title? It's not Holy Father. It's not Your Highness. It's not God. That's another thing we hear a lot about. You think the Pope is God. I love it when people tell us what we think as Catholics. No, we don't think the Pope is God. You know what the official title of the Pope is? The servant of the servants of God. Yeah. And so in your daily cup, if you are serving, you are being most like Christ. Especially if you accept the cross that's put upon you and you drink the cup. Not easy. Sometimes that cup is bitter, but remember when you used to take the medicine and your face would pucker up and you didn't like it, it was bitter, but it helped you, it saved you, fixed you, healed you. And that is what the cup that God asks us to carry can do. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.